0: Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast. The podcast all about the delicate balance between people and business, and quite literally, reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I just wanna take a second to say thank you so much for the response from last week's episode. All of your messages and all of your outreach means so much to me, and I'm just so glad that we are able to come together and have open and honest and candid conversations with each other because that is what I uh, what I really stand for, I think, and and what I really aspire to always drive and drive home with all of you. So I hope that you take those moments that we shared for any of you who reached out. Um, and hopefully we can continue to move forward as a society where we're more open and accepting of everyone from any background. Um, so yeah, thank you. Just as a reminder, you can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can watch this podcast on YouTube maybe you're already watching. And if you're on YouTube, don't forget to give this video a thumbs up and subscribe. You can even receive notifications anytime I post a new video, which right now is every Tuesday in the same cadence as my podcast release schedule. So I want to briefly intro my guest for today, Jill Kane. Jill is a workplace well-being consultant. Um, she's an HR expert. She's been in HR for really 20 years, and she's been a well-being expert for 10. Um, she partners with organizational leaders and their teams to create a sustainable well-being strategy that's not only inclusive, but is also engaging and integrated throughout the entire employee experience. So you'll hear today on this episode a little bit more about how and why Jill believes that well-being is the foundation to creating a culture of health, career success, and business performance. Oh my god, today is the 30th episode. Ooh, the crowd goes wild. 30th episode. 30th episode. I don't know. It just feels like a milestone. Maybe it's because I'm turning 30 next year. Ooh, maybe that's why. Whatever. It's the 30th episode. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I am so grateful. I literally, I'm recording this after recording with Jill. And I realized, I was like, I totally forgot. It's the 30th episode. And I just had to come back To record this message. And I just, I thank you so much for subscribing and for connecting with me on Instagram and for reaching out and for listening and sharing the podcast. Thank you. Let's jump right into it with Jill. Well, welcome back, everyone. As mentioned, I have Jill Kane with me this week, and I'm so excited, Jill, that you're joining me for this week of the podcast, especially since this is the last week of May by the time this um, episode launches, and it's Mental Health Awareness Month. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners, and we can get right into these um, questions.
1: Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and have this conversation with you. And yeah, I think it's just perfect timing that we are able to get this interview in in the month of May and bring some more awareness to mental health and excited for the conversation. So as Tracy mentioned, I'm Jill Kane. I am a workplace wellness consultant. So I help organizations really define their well-being strategy. So I like to think of well-being and wellness as more than just a program or just um, something you do alongside work, but something that should be integrated every single day. So I help companies really get clear on their vision and goals with well-being and help their people really thrive at work.
0: I love that. And I imagine that this has been an even bigger topic than ever before because of 2020 and COVID, right? I I imagine at least. It has been for me.
1: For sure. Yeah. Just so much has changed and everything had to change really abruptly. And yeah, so I know some companies really were, I, I think the ones that really had some remote work, at least a hybrid style or relied on technology a lot and were used to that, had it a little easier than the ones who were more, in person with most employees i think that was a bigger um bigger change not just technology wise but just in lifestyle right because totally. all of a sudden we're home we're working we're homeschooling we're doing everything living and working and every activity we're doing is in at the home so everything's just become one big uh, blur i think totally. yeah. so yeah so it was like a huge huge change but um Fortunately, you know, the organizations I've seen have really adapted well and, um, you know, change for the positive, I think, becoming more people focused and really paying attention to people's um, self-care and needs because everybody's different, right? Like everybody had different things going on, but it affected every single person.
0: Absolutely. I think businesses have overall done a really good job. And one of the things that I spoke about on a previous episode is that we are in an employee Uh, dominated workforce right now in the sense that employees are kind of guiding the way that companies need to respond because it's so competitive. The market is competitive in every industry. And I, I think I said, like, gone are the days where the employer tells the employee what they care about. Now it's kind of like the employee who's driving what is important in the culture and mental health has played a huge role in that. I know it's even played a role in that for me. Um and and I I think your your testament to how everything kind of has come together in the same place and everything is just kind of cramped into this uh to into the home. Like there is no differentiation. And so how do employees who are individuals, who are people, Give back to themselves and focus on their mental health. So, actually, getting into that, thinking about these companies, I'd love to hear from you what um, what companies can do today that will bring workplace wellness to the forefront of their culture if it's not already.
1: Yeah, it's a great question, and I think that just some of the shifts I've seen over the last year, uh, all the you know fitness in-person, um, on-site gym classes, were able to kind of transition to online. So that was really great and open up to the community as well. Um, this is the employer we work for now. And so they've done a really great job. They were really prepared and on the ball with the transition, even though we didn't know it was gonna happen, <laughs> but we, we were prepared. We were even having the conversation in January, like, you know, oh, what's this virus? You know, like what's going mm. on here? We were paying close attention to what may happen. So I feel like they were very prepared. Um, but yeah, if, com- if companies are looking to um, get started with some things, I think that, like you mentioned, it's really about the employees listening to what their needs are and what they want. And I think that there's a lot of great free things you can start with, too, in the community. Um, and speaking about mental health, uh, NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Health or Mental Illness, is a great organization to start with. They have a lot of free resources to share. So it oftentimes starts with just sharing information through your intranet or through your regular communication channels and providing those resources. And then, you know, starting from there and then just kind of tapping some employees, maybe do some surveys and some assessments, asking people about their current situation. Right, because everybody has different things. Some people are feeling isolated and alone, and other people are feeling, uh, you know, disconnected from the Mm. social aspects of work. And then other people are just so overwhelmed and have just feel like they don't have any time to take for themselves. So, really getting a good grasp on where people need the most help.
0: Mm.
1: And I think paying attention to that. Another really great thing that I've seen happen over the last year is like implementing we don't really call them mental health days but wellness days so Mm. like these are just days that you don't need a reason to take it off you just need to take that time for yourself disconnect and you know that's been really really appreciated by employees too so it doesn't have to be that you have to go you know have an elaborate program to start with but just doing some of those basic things that show that you're paying attention that you're listening and caring about the well-being of your employees beyond just you know their their work day, right? Because we all are human and have lives beyond work. So yeah, yeah. So I think that would be where to, I would start.
0: Awesome, and I like that you uh, provided resources that don't cost any extra budget. Like, sure, a wellness day is like PTO, and I guess it gets paid out. But at the end of the day, we know that not everyone takes PTO, and we know that. That's oh, it looks like your video was disabled. I'm gonna wait. It says video has been disabled due to internet quality issues. Oh, but your video is still recorded. Oh, okay, so it should be fine. Okay, so it's it's just what I see. Okay, never mind. No worries. I'll start that part over. Um, I love what you said about these free resources that companies can bring to their employee population because actually even though it's ultimately, if it's a wellness day and it's probably PTO and it gets paid out and that is, I guess, it comes out in the wash as paid time off, we know that not everyone is taking their PTO. And so I would imagine that giving a further push or bump into PTO to say, hey, we care about your wellness, take this extra day, take this free day, that that is probably a huge incentive for people. And um, this this uh, organization, NAMI, I think that's, that's what it's called, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, you said. I definitely will link that because I've heard this organization um, a few times referenced and I actually have never um, gone to their website or anything. So I'll definitely link that in the show notes in case anyone, you know, needs that resource for sure. So on the, on the topic of the pandemic, which we kind of already touched on a little bit, what dynamic shift have you seen since the start of the pandemic? Have employees expected more from their employers in terms of wellness offerings specifically?
1: I think that, I don't know. I think that, um, definitely there's been a huge shift, right? So in the beginning, it was just, it, you probably remember people were not sure how long is this going to last? A couple mm-hmm. weeks, you know? Uh, <laughs> you know, we kind of all thought, oh, we'll be back in the office in a, in a few weeks, you right. know, we'll see what happens when this blows over, right? Um, so nobody really knew how long we were in for this, this for the long haul. And, you know, I think that for the wellness, like when I think about HR in general and just workplace wellness and a lot of the things that were kind of brewing for a long time with the changes that needed to happen, I think the pandemic just fast-tracked everything. Mm. So all of the things like the push for more remote work or more flexibility or really like the, you know, employees kind of talking and having more of a voice of of what they need. I think that um, one of the good things, at least, you know, through the last year has been, I feel like there are companies who have a more of a willingness and more, um, not even just willingness, but just they're making the conversation about mental health a priority. So they're opening it up. They're making it not only, yeah, you can talk about it, but like, we're going to have actual forums for you to do that. We're going to actually make it like part of the normal, way that we work here, right? So we're going right. to support your mental health and help you um, through whatever challenges. Because even though we're working at home and testing and seeing how that works, it's not under normal circumstances too. So yeah. it, I, I think that a lot of things that were kind of on the way to changing in HR, I think the last year just kind of pushed it over the edge to, you know, this is kind of the new way we're doing things and you know not uh we're probably not going to go back to what right. we had before
0: Right. Well, it's interesting because, um I mean, what you can't see off camera right now is a pile of laundry and it's piled up because I went into the office these last two days. And it makes me think about how, you know, those things, like the the things that we never got to do before, which was balance our personal and work lives, um, it's become harder now that we're kind of going back to this this normal or what, what used to be or like figuring out what that flexible work schedule will be like. And I know for, you know, for myself, even I could probably work remotely for the rest of my life. Do I love the social elements of work? Yes, love them. I love going into the office. But the best part for me going into the office is that it's not every day um, because I don't know that I'd be willing or, uh, or that I'd want to give up having this ability to do my dishes between a meeting, to make my lunch or make dinner um, after, you know, if a call ends early or something like that, or if I have a gap in the day to be able to do laundry, for example, so it doesn't pile up in the corner of my bedroom. Um, and so I wonder, are, are you seeing that employees or employers are making a permanent shift? Because I am hearing from some companies that there's this desire to go back, but from employees, and this is where, where I think employees really have the upper hand, employees don't necessarily want to go back. They want to move forward and have a, an integration of the old and the new. So what are you seeing around that?
1: Yeah, really, I'm seeing the same thing. Like, I think a lot of the surveys that are coming out now that most employees are saying that they don't want to go back and that, you know, their um, rate of, you know, depression mm-hmm. and just kind of like, you know overwhelm is really high for those of those who have to go back and I think like you said it's a choice so it's nice to have the option to go in and see your coworkers and have meetings and get together and do you know things where where necessary right you know if if you're on a big project maybe that's a good thing to be able to get that um, couple hour meeting in and just get some work done right Mm -hmm. and everybody in the same room it's easier but at the same time it's for employees, I think you're right, like more more employees are really strongly saying that th- this is not what they want, they're not able to do it, or they don't want to do it. So I think that I've seen more, more and more opportunities for remote work popping up, and that more companies are really thinking, you know, hey, you know, actually work is still getting done, people are still working together effectively, and it's going to save the company money in the long run, too, if they don't have to have as much office space. Right. So I think we'll at least see, you know, more of a willingness for a hybrid work style for most um, many companies. It all depends on the work, too, right? Really? Your health care, you know, you have yeah. to be with patients. You can't do it always telemedicine. But right. yeah, so for most office workers, I think if you can and, you know, you can do the work at home, then... More, more employees are actually willing to, or employers are willing to give that opportunity um, beyond, you know, this year. Right. So I, I think that that will be something, you know, in all the survey data that I've seen. Um, there was an interesting piece in the Deloitte Human Capital Survey. Like, I like to read that one every year. So the top trends of what's going on in HR, and, and it was one of them was um, the, that, you we're going to be integrating well-being really into the work design. So I found that really interesting interesting versus you know, just having more and more. I find companies that tend to just keep adding on and adding on programs. But then if the culture is that you're so overworked, and you don't feel like you can take time out of your day to participate in anything, then they're not being utilized. Absolutely. So we're finding that that doesn't work. And that's not going to work in the new model going forward. So it's going to be like, how do we keep people engaged? And, you know, it's thinking beyond just programs, thinking beyond just the ways that we work together as a team individually and how, you know, we can successfully still do that, but keep well-being at the forefront.
0: I love that. I think it makes me think about this next question a little bit more in the sense of like maybe budget won't be a question um, or an obstacle in the future, because my next question for you is really around if a company that's maybe a smaller a company a small or mid sized business, if they don't have a wellness program, how do they start and maybe actually the question is how do they you know how what kind of budget do they need to apply to a program, or you know even though we know from before what you shared that it doesn't necessarily need to cost anything, but if companies or businesses are um, providing or setting aside budget for this, what is a what is something that can really get that this program kick-started? Is there a certain number? Is there a program that's even offered that really gets those businesses off the ground?
1: Yeah, I think that, like I mentioned, the free resources is so much out there to just start with the information sharing. But again, you know, we're um, in a competitive job market. So I think that, you know, especially these companies like biotechs and pharma companies, like they're really competitive and they're looking for their top talent. So if their competitors are offering a really robust wellness program, then, you know, we do have to kind of think about that and what we can offer as well. However, like my point was just that it's not, just offering the program but actually have the kind of culture Mm. that enables them to participate and just um you know also looking at like in hr the programs and policies and practices everything that we're doing and implementing that we're communicating to employees we can do it in a way that really integrates well-being into Mm. the work design itself so you know having walking meetings just something really simple like that you know is a little shift in perspective and shift in how we work. So just making like those kind of things, norm, the norm, um, I think will go a long way to start for those smaller companies.
0: I love that. It it reminds me of how um, in the DE&I conversation, there is this focus on psychological safety and making sure that employees have the room to feel safe, to make sure that everything top down and bottom up is actually providing that, that, almost a network of being able to allow people to bring themselves to work and and to also, you know, to see their leaders, to see the organization speaking or acting in the way that they say they're going to. So almost like putting their money where their mouth is. And so thinking about this cultural element, that's actually probably the biggest thing. You're right. Because if there isn't room in the culture for it, then it doesn't matter how many dollars you throw at it. It's not going to stick, and the employees are not going to benefit from it. And I love this idea of walking meetings. I am a, a big fan of those, and I'm a big fan of knowing when we are like okay turning the camera off there are days where i'm like i can't sit in front of the camera anymore i have to be able to just like sit back in my chair and you know not look like uh, not look professional and not look put together i need to just like relax a little bit um and that's that's been a shift for us because i think even in the beginning of our remote working experience everyone was like you know, trying to figure out like, are we on camera all the time? Are we not on camera all the time? You know, what, what do our meetings change and how, or how do they change? What do they look like? So yeah, I totally agree that the culture is the first, the first step. And it probably, culture is probably the first step for most things in business and how they change.
1: Yeah. That was so funny about the camera because that's something I saw that as well, because I think there's just this unspoken, rule that you should always be on camera. And then when we have a leader who says, you know what, guys, you don't always have to be on camera. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, even we got to a point in one big project where it was like, okay, you invite people to meetings because, you know, it's good information for them to know, but they don't necessarily have to be there. So if people are feeling overwhelmed, it's like, let's take a step back and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to be really, uh, upfront and clear and just say, I'm not going to invite you to these next three meetings, just not because I don't want you there, but because I want to give you a break, you know, like, so just having those kind of like, really um, transparent communications, I think really helps people. And the other thing um, I think I forgot to mention about free resources and just things that employers can do. I've seen a lot of success with um, employer resource groups. Mm. So we have one for for working parents and caregivers, which was really nice. Yeah. So it was just an informal group that gets together and just at lunchtime just kind of talks through challenges, shares tips and things like it's that. Nice. And then we had like um, once in a while some speakers come in, talk about different topics and share different things about setting yourself up for working at home or you know, helping your kids work um, remotely through school, so stuff like that. And it just really feels like, you know, work and life, even though sometimes the lines are blurred, it's, there's still like that support there.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. These employee resource groups, this is a really good point. Um, and, you know, they they actually matter a lot. People feel so connected. It's not even just a wellness initiative. It's a retention initiative, I think, too, because, When people feel connected to anyone or anything beyond the scope of their work or the company, we know that they're more likely to stay with the company too. I mean, that's why there's this uh, understanding that people stay because of people or people work for people. It's not necessarily what they're doing or who they're working for as a who being the company, but rather actually the leader or the people that they're connected to. So I love that. And I'd love to kind of close us out with a question on the future because I'm all about innovation and challenging the status quo. Um, What do you see as the future of wellness? Are there any new innovative new things happening in the space? Um, Anything that you can share with us?
1: I think that we'll still see a lot of wellness technology, different apps and things like that. But I think that we're going to see hopefully more personalized wellness offerings and wellness um, programs, because not all of your workforce is in the office, right? So we might have employees working different shifts, different, you know, in a retail store, in a manufacturing center. So there's different like locations and different environments people are working in so how do we offer things to employees that they can participate in and take advantage of that fit their work style and their lifestyles so hopefully we're going to see more and more personalization and I think we'll get there too because you know the technology keeps adapting and evolving Mm -hmm. and we have the ability to really look at data Um, So part of like the work that I do is go into companies and do an audit, like do an assessment, which includes data, but it also includes speaking to the executive team and to some employees and really getting their perspectives on what are you guys doing? What's working for you? What would you like to see more of and then make a plan from there? Mm. Um, So I think that we're going to see more of a, you know, desire to go to, wellness 2.0 like we started out with uh, offering all of the programs and one-off things um, and in companies where it's siloed I think we'll see it come together into like more of a strategic function Mm -hmm. which I'm excited about Um, and then I think that we're going to continue to see more offerings and more of a mindset shift that wellness is not just physical Mm -hmm. right so it's mental, emotional, it's social. There's so many aspects to total well-being. And I think we're going to continue to see that um, as the way that we work, you know, keeps evolving in the future. Right.
0: Well, I'm eager to see how everything evolves and changes. And maybe in the future, once we have some of those new innovations, we'll bring you back on and we'll talk about how yeah. wellness has shifted because I, I love that. I love, it's almost like a hindsight. Well, we'll hindsight, this episode in the future, hopefully. So you're yeah. right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then if you're right, you'll have to play the lottery because clearly you have good prediction skills. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Jill. I'd love for you to share with the listeners where they can connect with you, where they can find you. And I'll definitely be sure to link everything in the show notes as well. Um, but why don't you, why don't you share with us where we can keep connected?
1: Sure. So the best place is probably my website, which is jill-kane.com or on LinkedIn. And I'm under just Jill Kane on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. I am sure that the listeners are going to love it and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much.
1: Bye. Thank you.